drive time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. And inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be with you. Merry Christmas to you. It's good to say that. We finally have entered the Christmas season. All that stuff from October till now, forget all of that. Not Christmas. Now it's Christmas. Now we can put up decorations. Just think. Amazing. Oh, wait. You're probably taking yours down by now. That's too bad. Are you leaving yours up? Are you taking them down? Boy, would I love to know that. If you're hanging out with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, you know, YouTube, wherever, comment. Let us know. Do you keep the decorations up for all 12 days or do you already start to pack them up? I'm curious. But it's good to be back on with you. We have a great show. Of course, Emily Alcaraz is back in studio. Good morning to you. Morning, Joe. It's good to be back. Praise God. You are in Chicago, I hear. Yeah, it was wonderful. Very cold, but I loved it. Had a Very time. cold. <laughs> Below zero. I forgot how cold it could get down there, or up there, I Amazing. should say. Praise be to Jesus. Now, did you go to Midnight Mass? I did. It was so beautiful. Uh, candlelit. We all had candles. It was so good. Wonderful. Praise God. Adrian Fonseca's on the ones and twos. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Good morning. Merry Christmas. And uh, Midnight Mass? Of course. Midnight Mass. Course. I went to uh, Annunciation last second. They called me up and asked me to serve, so I showed up. How many Christmas masses did you go to? Uh, I only went to one. Oh. <laughs> I, I ended up sleeping in. I I was planning on going into the morning mass, uh, but I felt I didn't wake up. <laughs> we didn't well, get done with Christmas God. mass until two a.m. So uh, I, we were able to go to midnight mass. In fact, where we went, there was two masses simultaneously: one outside, one inside, and it was quite beautiful, actually. So yeah, my friends God actually served those. At, they had a shrine to Saint Michael. I heard it's gorgeous. Wow. I saw pictures. Yeah. It is. Well, God is very good. We have a great hour lined up. Don, uh, John D. Jack from the uh, Father Gabriel Richard Private High School in Michigan is going to be on with us later in this hour to discuss the lockdowns and the lawsuit against those lockdowns in the state of Michigan. What is the status there? What are these lockdowns? What are the risks involved? Uh, President uh, John D. Jack from Father Gabriel Richard will give us the lowdown that. And then, of course, we'll have a gospel and a saint of the day this hour, as well as breaking news and stories and the what's concerning us section. Of course, as you're waking up, President Donald Trump has said he has signed the $2.3 trillion relief package. Yikes. We'll discuss that in this show. Of course, there was the Nashville bombing over Christmas we can talk about. You might not have heard about the box truck situation and the person being arrested for that, we can discuss that. And of course, uh, there was over a billion dollars allegedly sent from the Vatican to Australia over the past six years. That is a story coming out of the Daily Mail. We could discuss that in the What's Concerning Us. All of that plus much more. And if you're hanging out with us for the next hour, Stacey Trasankos is going to be on with us. She's got a couple of articles in the National Catholic Register. And one we'll discuss in the next hour is about how aborted babies are used in scientific research. It's going to be a, a tough conversation, but a necessary one. All that coming up today on uh, Catholic Drive Time. K-95-5, 
keeping you informed and inspired, let's begin with prayer. Uh, Let's draw all of our intentions together, whatever you're facing today, whatever is on your plate, whatever you have to face and uh, challenge materially, physically, spiritually, whatever it may be, let's unite our intentions together and bring them to Our Lady, that she may whisper them into the ear of her son, and he may draw us ever so much closer to his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Authorities have identified Anthony Quinn Warner as the Nashville bomber after matching his DNA to remains found at the scene of the explosion. The Christmas Day explosion was captured in a Nashville police surveillance video posted to Twitter Sunday night. The blast damaged dozens of buildings, injured three people, and knocked out AT&T wireless service in and around Nashville. Officials say more people could have been hurt if it wasn't for the swift response of six police officers who evacuated residents after an eerie recorded message coming from the RV warned that the vehicle would explode in minutes. The motive behind the bombing is still unknown. President Donald Trump has officially signed off on the COVID relief bill. After holding up the $900 billion coronavirus relief bill for nearly a week, the president finally approved the stimulus package, which includes $600 checks for most Americans. Today, the House will vote on a measure to potentially increase the stimulus checks to $2,000. The president repeatedly criticized the bill over what he described as wasteful spending on international programs while Americans continue to struggle due to pandemic lockdowns. By signing the bill, the president avoided a government shutdown, although he has vowed to provide Americans with more aid in the future. An exiled Belarusian archbishop was allowed to return to his country for Christmas. Archbishop Tadeusz Kondrusevich of Minsk Mohilev was blocked from returning to Belarus in August after he spoke in defense of protests following a disputed presidential election. In Belarus, thousands of protesters of the election results have been detained, including a number of priests. At least four people have died in the unrest. Electoral officials said that the opposition candidate, Svyatlana Tsikhanouskaya, earned 10% of the vote. The opposition claims that she actually garnered at least 60% of votes. Belarusian authorities claim that the Roman Catholic Church is using religious events, including sermons, prayers, religious processions, to create political opposition among believers. Pope Francis is calling for the coronavirus vaccines to be made available to the world's neediest people. During his traditional Christmas Urbi et Orbi blessing on Friday, the Holy Father said, quote, I ask everyone government leaders, businesses, international organizations, to foster cooperation and not competition, and to seek a solution for everyone, vaccines for all, especially for the most vulnerable and needy of all regions of the planet. In his message, the Pope also prayed for an end to violence and conflict in the Middle East, Africa, and Eastern Ukraine. He called for an increase in fraternity and asked for people to continue to pray for him. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you, Emily, for 
reading the headlines today. It's good to have you back in the studio. I, however, am at the home studio this week on vacation in between Christmas and uh, New Year's. So today is the feast day of the Holy Innocents. And because of that, I'm going to read the gospel, and then we'll discuss the both of them together. Sound like a fair deal? Your gospel comes to you from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod. That when the Lord had said through the prophet, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious. He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity two years old and under in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been said through, the, through Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, and she would not be consoled since they were no more. The Gospel of the Lord. Now, a couple of points here that are very interesting to me, in fact, is the two years old and younger. Many scholars, for instance, Scott Hahn has often spoken of this himself, as well as many others have said, there's a definite difference between the cave in which our Lord is born and the house, according to Matthew's gospel, that they are living in at the time of the visit of the Magi. And so it's possible that two years have since passed them living in Jerusalem during this time, giving the Magi the opportunity to see the rising of the star and following the star to seek out this new child, this rising of this new king. And then we see this incident where the Magi have entered the house and they, of course, present their gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Well, now this is the time where the, the King Herod is now deciding that every child two years and younger, just to be sure, wipe them all out, have no competition. It's going to be a repeating theme we'll see in the life of Christ in the Gospels. Uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, also wants to wipe out all of his competition. So uh, Jesus is seen as a, as someone who is bringing together the 12 tribes. Again, the new Sanhedrin, he has the new 12, he's got the new inner three, he's got the new sacraments. He, he see, Caiaphas sees the competition and also wants Jesus executed. So it's a, it's a common theme. But this particular passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, with uh, Jesus and the innocent being murdered there, there is a definite parallel between Jesus and Moses. Jesus is portrayed as a new Moses, just like we saw in Matthew chapter 1, where Jesus was like the, the new David, right? We saw the, the, the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, it became David, 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 just really repetitive and just throwing it in the reader's face that Jesus is the son of David. He is the promised Messiah from the line, the branch of David. In fact, Nazareth means branch town in its most literal translation. So we see Jesus as a new David. Now here we see Jesus as a new Moses. Like Moses in Exodus chapter 1, he was a, a baby whose life was sought from a mad king. 
And just like Moses, which we saw in Exodus, that this child would be saved through the intervention of a relative, a family, a family member. And just like Jesus, Moses there in Exodus 1 would also find safe refuge in Egypt for a time. He would also spend 40 days alone in the wilderness, just like Jesus. And like Jesus, Moses led the captives free from Egypt. Now with Jesus, that new Exodus, which we see in the transfiguration scene on the mountain there with Moses and um, Elijah coming to visit Jesus before his passion. This is the the, the precursor to the new exodus, leading us out of the slavery of sin, right? Being uh, slaves to, to the devil. So we see this beautiful passage in the murder of the innocent children under Herod, the, the madman, uh, as a, a way to tell us that Jesus and Moses have strong parallels, that Moses was a forerunner, a type of the, of the Messiah to come. Uh, I don't know, Adrian, if you've had a chance to look at this passage, if you had any insights. Yes, sir. So I definitely think that the Holy Innocence is a often overlooked feast day, uh, especially since uh, it's in the Christmas tide. And so we see that the uh, there's a list of feasts that are lined up that we ta- that we go through on the octave of, East- of Christmas. And that's another thing that we lose is the octave of Christmas. And so these uh, these feasts that are in the octave of Christmas, like St. Stephen's Day, uh, which was the day after Christmas, and the mm. Feast of the Holy Innocents, these are two of the uh, major feasts that we have. Um, and I think it's important to uh, foster this very much. And I was just listening to Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and he was talking about the holy innocence and how a lot of these aborted babies that are being used in um, in the uh, in the vaccines, he sees them in a way uh, like the holy innocents who are being killed uh, for our health, for uh, for our for ourselves. It's a very selfish thing, as he as he points out. And so I think uh, that was an interesting parallel in our in our life today of the holy innocence. We see the scourge of abortion, babies being executed by their mothers uh, for the at the altar of convenience. And I really see that as a very as a parallel to the uh, the execution of the holy innocence by Herod. Yeah, amen to that. Now, the the feast day itself became a feast day uh, not before the end of the 4th century. So this, in fact, is a feast celebrated by the Christian church going all the way back pretty far. So amazing opportunity for us to stop, to reflect, to ponder about the dignity of human life and the, the, how sad it was for these children to be uh, murdered so relentlessly by this mad King Herod um, in search and and a destroy mission, really, for our Lord and Savior Jesus. So let us not forget the holy innocence. Let us uh, reinvigorate our call to defend life from conception to a natural death, especially in these grave times that we live in. And in fact, we'll be having a conversation similar to this later in uh, Catholic Drive time next hour. If you're able to join us, then Stacy Trasankos is going to be on to talk about how aborted children are used in scientific research. You might recall the David Delighton videos that came out and how they tried to throw him in prison and find him hundreds of thousands of dollars, all because he discovered that they were selling aborted children for scientific research, pharmaceutical companies, and many others. It should make your stomach turn. But let's at least enlighten our minds, our hearts, and our resolution to defend life. But in this hour, John DeJack, the president of Father Gabriel Richard, is coming up. Plus, what's concerning us all on the other side the of the break. Wishlist as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. 
Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you today. Don't forget, coming up, uh, John D. Jack, president of Father Gabriel Richard, private high school in Michigan, will be on to discuss the lockdown situation there and their pending lawsuit. This is the segment where we call it the What's Concerning Us segment. I've got three stories on my list, and maybe Emily and Adrian have some others we'll jump into. But uh, one of the big stories, of course, we talked about, or Emily mentioned in the breaking news segment, is that the president signed the $2.3 trillion relief package. And, you know, he he was pushing back. He wanted more money for the people. But the big issue was $2.3 trillion. This is, a mo- this is an amount of money that our great-great-grandkids can't even repay. I mean, it's so massive. Is it even possible? I'm not an expert. I'm not a financial analyst. I, I, I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn last night. How is it possible that we could ever repay this amount of debt? The last time I checked, um, the beans and rice guy says debt is bad, and yet we're we're going into debt in trillions of dollars, not once but twice this year alone, let alone all the other debt we already possessed. By the way, China buys most of our debt. Were you aware of that, that China is the owner of most of our debt? Yeah, true story. So I'm very concerned about that. Now, the president said he wanted $2,000 checks, not $600 checks, and he wanted the fat, the pork fat cut out of the bill. He signed the bill anyway. And he plans to uh, do red markers lines through all of the pork fat and send it back to Congress. But I guess my issue is, what's the difference? You've signed it. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to pay the tens of millions of dollars to these foreign uh, organizations all over the planet when the American people suffer through lockdowns and businesses going out and uh, and all the rest. Long food lines and, you know, the, the, the rumors of food lines in Hawaii are, are not pretty. So, I, I don't know, I'm very concerned about that. Emily, do you have any comments there? Yeah, you know, I do wish that if we were going into this amount of debt that it would at least be going to the American people and not to yeah. gender programs in, what, was it Pakistan? Pakistan, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely very concerning. Um, you know, some of the news sources are saying that President Trump just wanted to leave office not in a government shutdown. 
Um, so that might be it. But yeah, not pretty, not good stuff. I can't, I just, it's a debt so massive. It's hard to even fathom. Well, we'll, we'll see how a, that comes out. I highly doubt, you heard it here first, that Congress will do anything about cutting the pork out. They passed oh, it, not. and it becomes one of these, if you want to know what's in it, you have to pass it kind of thing. Similar to the vaccines. If you want to know what's in the vaccine or whether or not it will hurt you, you've got to take it first. And then you have to be passing out on live television, apparently, to figure out that it's not good for everybody. It seems rather crazy to me. Right. So on my my list for uh, what's concerning us, uh, I saw uh, reported by the Daily Wire something about uh, the talking about the transgender movement, which is always concerning. But how uh, there was a number of people advocating for mandatory uh, uh, repression of puberty, uh, puberty blockers on children because they said that children do not consent to puberty and therefore they should be mandatory puberty blockers on children. And this was not just some like, like just some random person on the street. These were published in newspapers, uh, which is absurd to think about uh, how how people can actually say these kind of things publicly nowadays. It's uh, child abuse. That's just simply what it is. It's child abuse. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So much to talk about. The other issue that I was really concerned about this morning was the Vatican is being investigated by federal police. This is according to an article in the Daily Mail. We'll link to it, by the way. We throw the links of the stories we discuss on our live video feed on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GRN online. You can also find us by Catholic Drive Time on Facebook and on Twitter, by the way. I think Instagram as well. And we'll post the links. But this is an article that's come out from the Daily, the Daily Mail says the Vatican is investigated by federal police over $2.3 billion. That's with a B. $2.3 billion in secret transfers to Australia. But local Catholic Church leaders claim they haven't seen a cent of it. Imagine that. Essentially, the Vatican has secretly transferred $2.3 billion over the last six years. Transactions peaked at $581.3 million in 2017, according to a financial crime regulator. Australian federal police investigating information received uh, the information or received these transfers from Austrac. And basically, the fact that the local Catholic leaders didn't even know this was happening, had ever seen a cent of it, should tell you that something nefarious is truly going on here. So this goes back many, many, many years of continued financial uh, problems coming out of the Vatican Bank. Um, Cardinal Pell, he was part of the process of revealing the the dirty deeds coming out of the Vatican uh, Bank, as well as Vigano and others as well. And the EU has been asking the Vatican Bank to clean up its act and stop being a tool for the mob and and other crime syndicates around the world laundering their money. And here we see $2.3 billion being transferred for what? For what end? To what? Where where did this money go? What was it used for? Was it used to feed the poor? Was it used to clothe the naked, to give homes to the homeless? No. No, it wasn't. This money was not used for that. This money was gone into oblivion. Poof. Nobody knows what this money was used for. And for me, this is just another tragedy. Um, Emily, did you guys see this story? No, I actually didn't. But I was wondering, what are the odds this has something to do with Cardinal Perlin? (laughs) Uh, or bet you or bet you that's right now Uh, that was part of the accusation with bet you is that he was sending money australia in on purpose to help against cardinal pell to help 
provide cash to the Australian authorities, the police there, to help prosecute him. Of course, we know he spent a year and a half in solitary confinement and then was released by the Australian Supreme Court. So, I don't know. I'm going to link to this story, but it, to me, it's just another tragedy and a scandal that the church has to endure. I mean, how many donated dollars from Catholic faithful all over the world are giving their money to the Vatican, Peter Spence or other programs, thinking that they are doing good, that they're doing something to help feed the poor, help the homeless or the migrants all over the world, and yet the money is not being used for any of those causes. Instead, it's being used to do what? They don't even know where $2.3 billion went. It just, poof, gone with the wind. That's so tragic, and we should demand that this end. And we should, in my opinion, anyway, stop donating to the cause until it gets rectified, yes. until it gets sorted out. Mm-hmm, I agree. Okay, my uh, what concerns me, I have a couple things. Um, first of all, this Nashville bombing, this strange, strange bombing, uh, motives are still unknown, and apparently... People were warned and evacuated before the bombing happened. So, what was what could have been the purpose of it? Uh, we still don't know. So, this is also a very concerning story. Of course, we saw this break on Christmas Day. This RV parked on a fairly abandoned downtown street in front of an AT and T hub. Now, at about five a.m., the loudspeakers start. I think it's five or five thirty. Now, the residents heard gunshots. So there were several gunshots that alerted the local residents to call the authorities. And then about 5, 5.30, the loudspeaker starts, loud music, and a blaring, uh, pre-recorded, like this uh, AI red message that says, if you can hear this, evacuate, evacuate. And a countdown of 15 minutes starts. And then, of course, we see the video that's been all over the internet over the weekend of the explosion itself. Now, one fascinating story that came out over the weekend was one of the police officers. He was walking towards the RV when he heard, he he claims, he heard the voice of God say, turn around. He turns around, and I think there's actually a video, one of the video clips is him turning around and walking back towards his partner when the explosion goes off. And miraculously, the man's life is saved. Now, there was three people injured. They did find DNA evidence of a human person, and so the, they're alleging that the driver of this RV, the owner of the RV, is the person who died at the scene, and so their speculation is that this was a suicide bombing. But here's the thing. Who goes through that kind of an elaborate setup to create this bomb that can do this much damage um, to... Set up the loudspeaker, the pre-recorded message, the countdown to not want people to – apparently, I guess the motivation is you don't want anybody to die. You want to create damage, not death. Um, Then why call the police? I don't know. Why why do you make the gunshots so the police arrive? Uh, Do you want to hurt the police? I don't know. My point is who goes through all of that effort and then doesn't leave a note to say this is why I did that? That seems rather strange to me. Now, they are saying, the FBI is saying that this person uh, was apparently uh, not a big fan of the 5G technology, which is why they're Mm. thinking that they targeted the AT&T. But again, who goes through that much effort 
and doesn't leave a note. It seems rather strange to me. I don't know. Maybe a very conspiratorial type of theory, but still seems weird. I'm sure Emily? we'll have more information by the end of today. Yeah. Well, we hope so. Now, did you hear about the box truck? No. We have a couple of minutes before we go to break. But there was a Tennessee man charged with suspicious vehicle that plays similar audio to the Nashville bomber. Oh. So there was a, a man by the name of James Turgion. I'm, pr- I'm sure I'm not getting his name right. 33 years old from Hollygrove Road near uh, Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He had a big box truck and he blared similar music and messaging out of his box truck very loudly at a church and then at a strip mall. And the police, obviously people were evacuated and they were freaking out because of the Nashville bombing. And this man was pulled over by the police and he was detained. He apparently tried to damage the speaker system in his box truck before they apprehended him. Very suspicious and strange behavior. They did arrest him. He's on a $500,000 bail and or a bond rather and uh they charged him with tampering with evidence now they did not find any bomb in his box truck praise god for that so is he just a crazy guy who was just trying to terrorize people for the sheer joy of it or was he up to something else did he have some other connection who knows i don't but it's all very bizarre yeah very weird i wonder if there's a connection between those two well, at any rate, I'm very grateful that nobody else was seriously harmed in the Nashville bombing, and it does give us great pause to stop and think about our situation in life. We never know the day or the hour, so let us always be ready and prepared for whatever may come our way, and let us die in a state of grace. So confession, confession is on the order. We're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to have more breaking news and stories with Emily. Plus, we're going to be speaking with John DeJack, president of Father Gabriel Richard. It's a private high school in Michigan. They're suing the state because of the lockdowns. We'll talk to him about those lockdowns, the ramifications, the risks involved, and why they felt the need to, to file this suit. All that's coming up more on Catholic Drive Time, plus so much more in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Conception is a Catholic dogma that many Protestants have a hard time accepting. They claim it shouldn't be believed because it's not found in the Bible. But I beg to differ. Recall how after the fall in Genesis 3.15, God promised to set enmity between the woman and Satan, between the woman's seed, the Messiah, and Satan's seed. This separation from Satan means the woman's not tainted by sin in any way. Moreover, woman seems to be a title for Eve in her pre-fall state, as is the case in Genesis 2.23. She isn't called Eve until after the fall in Genesis 3.20. So who's this new woman? It's the mother of the Messiah, Mary. So just like the first woman was created without original sin, so too the new woman, Mary, was created without original sin. That's to say, immaculately conceived. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. 
having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Merry Christmas to you. It's good to be back with you. We're going to have a great lineup of programming this week. We'll have a special pre-recorded show on uh, January 1st, but uh, so much to come this week on Catholic Drive Time. We're glad you're a part of it. If you want to get the podcast version of the site, I encourage you to check out grnonline.com forward slash cdt. grnonline.com forward slash cdt is a great place to get the podcast version, but don't forget, you can also find the videos that we post for the show, the live video feed on Facebook or Twitter or on YouTube, but we also post the individual episodes and even highlights of individual conversations all on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash GRN online. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share when you're there. But right now, we have more breaking news and headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Companies are now developing apps for people to upload their vaccine passports. One of these groups, the nonprofit Common Trust Network, has already partnered with several airlines and hundreds of health systems across the United States. Their app, called Common Pass, allows users to upload relevant medical information, such as proof of vaccination, that can generate a health certificate or pass in the form of a QR code that can then be shown to authorities. The large tech company IBM also developed its own app, the Digital Health Pass, which permits companies and venues to customize indicators that that would be mandatory for entry, such as coronavirus testing, temperature checks, and vaccination records. These apps could soon be used in America to allow or deny access to flights based on a person's digital health record. The Massachusetts governor has vetoed an extreme pro-abortion bill, Governor Charlie Baker, a pro-choice Republican, shot down the bill, which would have legalized abortions up to birth and lowered the age for girls to get abortions without a parent's knowledge or consent to 16. Governor Baker stated that although he supports abortion, he cannot support the sections of the proposal that expand the availability of late-term abortions and permit minors to get an abortion without parental consent. The legislator has already announced an effort to override the veto early in 2021, which will require a two-thirds majority in both the State House and the Senate. An Argentine priest has been suspended after punching a bishop who closed a seminary. On the day of the attack, Bishop Eduardo Maria Tausig made a pastoral visit to explain the controversial closing of the seminary in July 2020, which has sparked a string of protests from local Catholics. A group of protesters, including priests and laypeople, interrupted the mass celebrated by Bishop Tausig, and one protester slashed the tires of the bishop's vehicle, forcing him to wait for another vehicle while confronting the protesters. It was then that Father Camilo Dib physically attacked the bishop three times. The Diocese of San Rafael said in a statement that Father Dib has been suspended from all his priestly duties. Pope Francis is marking the fifth anniversary of Amoris Laetitia with a year dedicated to the family. In his Angelus Address on December 27th, the Feast of the Holy Family, the Holy Father said, quote, 
This will be a year of reflection on Amoris Laetitia and will be an opportunity to focus more closely on the contents of the document. These reflections will be made available to ecclesial communities and families to accompany them on their journey. The Pope then invited everyone to take part in the initiatives that will be promoted during the year that will be coordinated by the Dicastery for Laity, Family, and Life. This comes after Pope Francis announced that this would also be the year of St. Joseph. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines. We have joining us right now by Zoom chat is John DeJack, president of Father Gabriel Richard Private High School in Michigan. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning. Thanks for being on with us. So let's get started. We're talking about Michigan lockdowns and your pending lawsuit with the state of Michigan. Can you start by telling us what is the status of lockdowns in your state? Yeah, uh a little bit of background here. Um, throughout the pandemic, from March of last year onward, the governor issued a series of orders that uh, restricted a certain activity in the state. Uh, such orders were then deemed in, I believe, October by the Michigan Supreme Court to be unconstitutional under uh, the governor's authority. So what ended up happening is the transfer of uh, those very orders went to uh, a more constitutional route under under the state of Michigan, which was the Department of Health and Human Services. So in essence, the same type of orders were issued, but by that, uh, that uh, government agency versus the governor herself. Okay, and so, John, you're the president of uh, Father Gabriel Richard. So what did that mean for your school? What did the lockdowns look like? Sure, sure. So at the very beginning, it, 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 a series of things. At the very beginning of the pandemic in, in March, uh, there was the stay-at-home order, which was uh, issued, and that was for a two-week period, but then it got extended and basically obliterated the rest of in-person learning for the rest of the year. Uh, in in uh, uh, the summer, a roadmap to going back to school was uh, issued, and certain protocols had to be followed, and we uh, expended uh, a large amount of money to make sure that we are in compliance with this to allow us to open uh, in-person learning in the uh, academic year. Everything from protocols of spacing to mask wearing to everything else and great expenditures were put out for that. Um, then there were a uh, another, because of a, a, a reported surge in the cases, uh, the cold and flu season, uh, there was another order that shut down the schools, and then that order was then extended, which was the occasion for this lawsuit. Okay, and the lawsuit that you filed, um, you're not alone, right? You said there were other high schools that have joined the lawsuit. Can you explain? Correct. Yep, sure. The uh, Basically, our lobbying organization uh, in Lansing is called MANS, the Michigan Association of Non-Public Schools, and that consists of uh, Catholic and Christian schools throughout the state. Uh, and it covers all the dioceses, Catholic dioceses of the state. Um, they, in conjunction with Father Gabriel Rochard High School, my school, Lansing Catholic High School, which is in the Diocese of Lansing, um, and Everest Academy, a uh, private Catholic school in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and then different families from each of those um, from each of those uh, schools. Uh, decided to file suit uh, because this this is almost death by a thousand cuts mm. in terms of uh, these 
shutdowns and then back and then two weeks shutdown again and whatnot. And we allege that this is inhibitive of our uh, free exercise of religion. And uh, especially since given the protocol, we have been cooperative and given the protocols we have in place, um, our kids are safe and uh, and the data proves that. We're speaking with Dr. Or forgive me, John Djack. I just gave you a doctoral degree. Oh, Congratulations, by the way. That's fine. That's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> President of Father Gabriel Richard Private High School in Michigan talking about the lawsuits here. Um, now, here's the question. What are the risks? So... There was lots of talk about asymptomatic transmissions, but it seems like that's been proven not to be a case, especially among the very young, which would be your your students. Can you speak to that for a moment? Yeah, I, there hasn't been any data to uh, to show that there has been transmission by the schools and even making an impact into the larger community. Um, have there been kids sick? Yes. Have the protocols shown uh, or have, have parents been individually responsive and, and responsible in understanding that and uh, having kids tested and ensuring that they not come to school? Yes. Um, but there has not been any spread within the school uh, itself. Um, interestingly enough, I think 1.6% of the over 8,000 individuals in the schools in the Diocese of Lansing um, showed any sort of infection at one point or another. 1.1% in the Archdiocese of Detroit, which is far larger wow. uh, school system. So uh, given the the very, very low infection rate um, and the lack of evidence of spread within the schools, um, this certainly is, uh, you know, a, we we consider to be a bit of overkill on, uh, on, on the government's part. Yeah, it sure seems like it. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about what are the effects that this is having on the children? Have they, I mean, have grades gone down? How are they doing? Yeah, I think uh, by common consent, in-person learning is the ideal. I think most everyone... Uh, agrees with that, even if we might agree, disagree politically and whatnot. Um, I think the proof is in the pudding, given the uh, CDC guidance, different uh, uh, professional agencies, such as the American Pediatric Association and others, who, uh, and even most recently, the day after our lawsuit was filed, uh, a group of 130 uh, physicians, mostly pediatricians in and around the Ann Arbor area, uh, not exactly a, a, a place known for conservative politics, uh, has have issued a um, uh, an appeal uh, to put the kids back in school. And this appeal is directed mainly to the public schools. Um, but the deleterious effects on the kids in terms of depression, in terms of not learning uh, well, not having the accountability that one would uh, expect in an in-person setting, um, and uh, lack of, you know, comprehension, a uh, kind of do-it-yourself, uh, read-on-your-own type of um, education might be appropriate for a graduate school, but certainly not in the formative years of K-8 uh, or 9-12. Uh, 
Okay, hold that thought. We're talking with Doc, or I keep giving him a doctoral degree. John D. Jack, president of Father Gabriel Richard Private High School about the Michigan lockdowns and the lawsuit. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back to continue our conversation with him, plus so much more coming in Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Don't forget, if you can join us in the next hour, we'll have the Catholic Game Show coming up, plus a, co- a conversation with Stacey Trisankos. All that coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism, or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hey Donnie, who was the first Pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current Pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. We're on with Dr. John Dijak today. He is the president of Father Gabriel Richard High School in Michigan. Uh, and we're talking to him about the lawsuit that he has filed with the other private high schools in Michigan against the state lockdown restrictions. So, uh, John Dijak, what is the status of the lawsuit currently? So, we filed um, in... Uh December after the extension of this lockdown and the judge, the federal judge uh, who had the case um, basically uh, held a hearing a week later, arguments were presented um, a week after that. He, we, we had uh, alleged um, violations of the first amendment in terms of uh, free exercise of, uh, of, of religion, as well as uh, sought injunctive relief, which means basically a, an immediate order that would allow us to go back to school uh, immediately um, uh, and, and suspend, in essence, the uh, Health and Human Service uh, Department's order. Um, he did not issue an order until uh, December 21st, um, which uh, basically made the, uh, the point moot because the the uh, the need for the immediate relief was was over because the the lockdown uh, or the extension of the lockdown was um, or the no the ceasing of in person learning 
ended on the 20th. Uh, we were on Christmas vacation. So, so he denied the order basically because of a timing issue. However, the case is still very uh, much alive. The state has until February to issue its response to um, our allegations of violations of the, um, or rather our assertions of the violations of our constitutional liberties. And uh, given the Supreme Court uh, having recently ruled in the uh, Diocese of Brooklyn case, as well as uh, some other cases before the court, which uh, they seem poised not a prognosticator on the Supreme Court, but um, they do seem poised to protect religious liberty in the First Amendment. So uh, we, we're very confident. That we have a very good case. That's good, right? Because after the Diocese of Brooklyn case, we've seen a lot of victories for Catholic schools and parishes. Um, but you guys have it especially rough down in Michigan or up in Michigan, I should say. Um, so I know there was another case, I think, in, in schools in Colorado where, um, again, it was a matter of time. The court ruled against them simply because it wouldn't it wouldn't make a difference um, approving their lawsuit at this point. So if if the lawsuit is shot down, if it, this does not go well, will you be filing another lawsuit? Are you going to keep fighting this? That's a very good question. Um, a, a part of that is a strategic um, decision based on the lawyers, which, you know, I, although I am a lawyer, I'm not, uh, I will defer to those who practice in the realm of the First Amendment um, to, uh, to, to look at that aspect. But I would, I would certainly, um, as substantively, assert our right again and again um, that this is very fundamental to um, our lives, the worship of God, the practice of our religion, and not just worship, but also everything that uh, the practice of our religion entails, which is education. So I would loudly and boldly assert this um, as something that the founders of this country wanted protected and is something that no government can take away from us. What that means in terms of an actual uh, subsequent lawsuit or, or, or appellate process and that sort of thing it remains to be seen. We'll see what happens. Right. And so um, how is the diocese supporting you in this lawsuit or are they? So the diocese has been very supportive, as I said, um, by virtue of the fact that this um, man's group, uh, which is our um, our private uh, school organization in Michigan, um, is is part of the lawsuit that has a ripple effect on every Catholic school in the entire state. So should we win this, um, any sort of state mandate, which, again, is not in place now because of the suspension of the um, of the extension of that lockdown. But if in any subsequent mandate, um, that would have a ripple effect in, in assuring that every Catholic school, every Christian school who's part of this consortium uh, can open up um, and be and keeping the protocols in place and, and that have been uh, shown to be uh, working well and can have their in-person learning. Interestingly enough, if I can interject on another point, a number of other schools who are not part of this consortium um, have have filed their own lawsuits. Um, I think we may have stiffened the spine of a couple folks uh, to do that, and uh, that's a very positive sign for religious schools uh, asserting their their uh, liberties under the under the Constitution. Yeah, that is good news. We love to see that. Now, speaking of the diocese, um, wh- what do the mass restrictions look like in Michigan? Are those also more generally more restrictive? For uh, for Holy Mass, for, right? The liturgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, depends on the diocese, and uh, you know we're in the diocese of Lansing that covers Ann Arbor. 
Um, Bishop Boyer has been extremely good as to trying to strike that balance um, between, um, uh, you know, maintaining the dignity of the liturgy and people's ability to go to mass while at the same time respecting those who might have compromised immunities and whatever else. So he, he has left it largely, he has some basic guidelines, but has largely left it to the individual pastors and their parishes to implement. Um, I can say from my parish um, that it's been, it's been excellent. I think he, uh, the churches have been open, masses have been, um, have been uh, happening. In fact, I, in, in Ann Arbor, um, St. Thomas Parish in particular um, has increased the number of masses and uh, confession. The priests have been heroic and very, um, very uh, uh, creative uh, in having confessions outside for hours a day um, ever since the pandemic. So it's it's been kind of almost a <laughs> liturgical or rather a sacramental renaissance since this thing has happened, which is which is kind of an unforeseen uh, effect on this thing. Right. We, We're talking with John Dijak, president of the Father Gabriel Richard Private High School, about the Michigan lawsuit and lockdown. Uh, John, one quick question. We've got about uh, five minutes left in our conversation with you, but you mentioned a minute ago that you thought you might have strengthened the spines of others. Do you see a groundswell here? I mean, uh, it seems like it, we've seen it in, in California recently, uh, where there was an SSPX priest that even successfully sued the state. Do you think we can get some groundswell here to be able to preserve our religious liberties or or is it just going to be just a small handful of people like yourself that are going to stand up yeah i I hope there's a groundswell i'm confident i think i think when people think of a lawsuit the immediacy of of even mentioning that word is terror right you know as as if the uh merely uh you know going in to have adjudicated uh your rights or your um your liberties, uh, somehow, if you're ruled against, you're going to be either thrown in jail or adversely affected or whatever else. I think that's just kind of a natural, no one wants to, you know, everyone wants peace. No one wants to have a controversy. So I think that might be just a natural reticence that people have initially. But when you explain it simply going in to assert that which is owed and due to us already, uh, and we want to have a judge, uh, read, uh, understand our, our, our point of view and read that in light of the Constitution. Um, I think when you explain it that way, I, I, it should not be controversial. So um, I, let, us, let us make use of these tools that are at our disposal, especially when we do have uh, very actionable uh, infringements on our liberty. So um, hopefully it does strengthen the spine of others. Um, I think seen in that way, we can still be uh, good citizens and joyful uh, Christians in terms of pursuing these things. And um, just as anyone else would have the right on any other fundamental infringement. We have about two minutes left in our conversation. John, what do you think your chances are? I think they're pretty good, actually. I'm I'm rather um, confident. We have superb lawyers. We have superb legal counsel. I think the arguments are solid. Um, the, the question, it's a, in one sense, a philosophical question, but it's a, also a, um, a very technical legal one, depending on the jurisdiction, um, is, you know, safety versus freedom. It's always been at the heart of many of our political debates and whatnot, and not to make this a political thing necessarily, but, um, but, um, are there, are there instances where the exercise of the Catholic faith and the freedom of 
people to practice the Catholic faith can be restricted. Um, one can practice the faith in a gulag, you know, um, it, it, that's a natural right given to us by God uh, by virtue of our baptism to, fa- to practice the faith. And so, um, uh, you know, on a theological and e- even a legal basis, um, you know, that I think that we have a very good uh, case and we'll see what happens. All right, John Dijak, president of Father Gabriel Richard Private High School. Thank you for being on with us and sharing your situation with us. We'll be praying for a great outcome for you and for your students. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I won't, real quick, before you go, before we have to say goodbye, what's the website? Where can people find more information? Sure. Uh, the high school's website is fgrhs.org. All right, praise be to God. We'll post a link to that on our live video feed over on YouTube or on Facebook.com forward slash. We've also posted GRN the online. article from Catholic News Agency on the Facebook stream. Very good. All right, praise God. Bless John, thanks both. for being on with us. That's going to do it for hour one of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Don't forget, you can always find the podcast of our show over at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. By the way, They're trying to give away a Mercedes to some lucky Catholic radio listener. You can be a part of that just by going to grnonline.com. Scroll down, you'll find the banner. And on January the 4th, Stations of the Cross joins the Catholic Drive Time family. Looking forward to having them on in New York and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania and more. Plus, other radio networks might be joining us for all that in the new year. But don't go anywhere. In the next hour, we have the... Best trivia game show ever on Catholic Radio is coming up. Prizes are involved. Plus, we'll have a great interview with Stacey Trasankos uh, with the St. Philip Institute out of the Diocese of Tyler about how aborted children are used in medical research. All that coming up in the next hour. If you can join us, we're praying for you. We we'll hope you, you pray for, for us. us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. 
After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Merry Christmas to you and to your family. I hope that uh, your opportunity on uh, December the 25th was a beautiful gathering of your friends and your family members. I know it was for me and my wife and our children. We had such a wonderful uh, Christmas Eve mass at midnight and then, of course, waking up the next morning to the the time we spent uh, giving God praise and opening presents. Praise Jesus for that. But we have a great show lined up for us today. We're going to be giving out some prizes this week. We have a new uh, sponsor for our prize for our Catholic Trivia Game Show. That's coming up in just a little bit. Plus, we'll have a conversation with Stacey Trosankos of the uh, St. Philip Institute out of Tyler, Texas, about how uh, aborted children are used in scientific research. And well, that's a kind of a, a tough conversation, but a needed one. She's got a great article over on the National Catholic Register. We'll be discussing about that later in the program. But first, we'll have breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. Plus, we have our favorite Catholic trivia game show, and that phone number is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant. We'll give out the number again in just a bit. But Emily, welcome back to the show, and uh, hopefully your Christmas little break there in Chicago was not just cold, but, but fruitful. Oh, it was so beautiful. I mean, the ma- Midnight Mass was almost magical, just being completely candlelit, and I loved it, being there with my family. What a blessing. Yeah, praise God for that. Adrian, uh, producing the show today, good morning, Merry Christmas to you. Good morning, Merry Christmas. I'm glad to actually hear you say Merry Christmas for once. Yeah, it's usually <laughs> Bah Humbug. Yeah, By the way, well, what films did you watch? We watched Ooh, a, a couple no. of films. Yeah. Uh, we, I did watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's been a while since I've seen that. Of course. So I actually ended up only watching uh, non-Christmas related things. <laughs> what? I watched uh, the first season of The Rifleman, which is a great <laughs> TV show. <laughs> and uh, I also and I'm the Bah Humbug. Yeah, The okay. Rifleman back from like 1920s or something. I don't know, 1400s. I don't know. And then I also saw Wonder Woman last night, which was awful. To be honest, yes, yeah. I could have told you that. Yeah, <laughs> you the time. My, my parents suffering. 
<laughs> now so, we watched last night we watched the star which was i think sony produced oh that's and a animated. sweet movie yeah it is a very sweet film and then of course one of my new favorites since 2017 is the man who invented christmas the story of charles dickens and how he came about creating a christmas carol but you know in the homily yesterday at mass i learned and i feel silly that i didn't know this before i didn't know that shakespeare wrote the 12th night have you ever heard of this uh yes I hadn't even ever even heard of it. I, I can't believe I didn't even know this existed. So you've you've read this? Oh, I performed in it. You performed? Yeah, we did a twelfth night in high school. Really? Yep. Amazing. So wow. I learned something new yesterday at Holy Good. Mass. Praise be to Jesus. All right, we're going to start by bringing our intentions together, and then of course we'll have breaking news and headlines. Then our game shows coming up, plus the saint of the day and. Gospel Day, all that coming up, as well as our interview with Stacey Trasankos later in the hour. But let's start with your intentions, whatever you need, whatever your challenges are today, whatever you have to go and face today. I pray that uh, the Lord will give you many graces. But uh, let's bring our intentions. I'm praying for our team, for our equipment, for our needs as a radio apostolate, and my family in particular. Hopefully uh, you are able to join us in this prayer. We're going to bring them to Our Lady, and she's going to whisper them into the ear of her son that he may draw us ever so more closely to the most sacred heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Authorities have identified Anthony Quinn Warner as the Nashville bomber after matching his DNA to remains found at the scene of the explosion. The Christmas Day bombing was captured in a Nashville police surveillance video posted to Twitter on Sunday night. The blast damaged dozens of buildings, injured three people, and knocked out AT&T wireless service in and around Nashville. Officials say more people could have been hurt if it wasn't for the swift response of six police officers, who evacuated residents after an eerie recorded message coming from the RV warned that the vehicle would explode in minutes. The motive behind the bombing is still unknown. President Donald Trump has officially signed off on the COVID relief bill. After holding up the $900 billion coronavirus relief bill for nearly a week, the president finally approved the stimulus package, which includes $600 checks for most Americans. Today, the House will vote on a measure to potentially increase the stimulus checks to $2,000. The president repeatedly criticized the bill over what he described as wasteful spending on international programs, while Americans continue to struggle due to pandemic lockdowns. By signing the bill, the president avoided a government shutdown, although he has vowed to provide Americans with more aid in the future. An exiled Belarusian archbishop was allowed to return to his country for Christmas. Archbishop Tadeusz Kontrusevich of Minsk Mohale was blocked from returning to Belarus after he spoke in defense of protests following a disputed presidential election. In Belarus, thousands of protesters of the election results have been detained, including a number of priests. At least four people have died in the unrest. Electoral officials said that the opposition candidate Svetlana Tsikayunaskaya earned 10% of the vote. The opposition claims that she actually garnered at least 60% of the votes. 
Belarusian authorities claim that the Roman Catholic Church is using religious events, including sermons, prayers, and religious processions, to create political opposition among believers. Pope Francis is calling for the coronavirus vaccines to be made available to the world's neediest people. During his traditional Christmas Urbi et Orbi blessing on Friday, the Holy Father said, quote, I ask everyone, government leaders, businesses, international organizations, to foster cooperation and not competition, and to seek a solution for everyone, vaccines for all, especially for the most vulnerable and needy of all regions of the planet. In his message, the Pope also prayed for an end to violence and conflict in the Middle East, Africa, and Eastern Ukraine. He called for an increase in fraternity and asked the people to continue to pray for him. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines today. Don't forget, uh, before we jump into our Saint of the Day, the Gospel Day, we're about to launch into our Catholic Trivia Game Show. We need a contestant. That could be you, and prizes are involved, and we'll announce the sponsor and the, the gift this week. All you got to do is call 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's that easy. 877-757-9424. But the Saint of the Day today is actually the Feast of the Holy Innocent. These are the children that King Herod slaughtered in his attempt to kill the Messiah, the Jesus, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So uh, it, rather than just read their bio, I think it might be best that we read the gospel for today and then discuss. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise. Take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity two years old and under in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been said through Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, and she would not be consoled since they were no more. The Gospel of the Lord. Several things uh, jump out to me here. Number one, the fact that Joseph had a dream and uh, continued to, to receive these uh, vis- these apparitions, these uh, messages from the Lord through dreams, reminding us of the Joseph in the Old Testament who also uh, was spoken to by uh, from God through dreams to him that helped to save his people, to save his family. So Joseph is receiving a, a, a very similar thing here, which is also great typology from Old to the New Testament. But in th- we see more typologies than just that. Of course, we last week we're discussing the 
the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 and how we see these three groups of 14 generations and how David's name itself it adds up to 14 when you take the numerical values of the Hebrew letters of David. And so we are given this very clear message through that, through that genealogy that Jesus is not only the promised seed of Abraham, but more importantly, he is the son of David, the promised Messiah that the Lord said we would receive in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Right, so he is he is David, David, David. That's what we heard in the genealogy. Now we see Jesus as a new Moses. We see this comparison, uh, this parallel between Jesus and Moses in this gospel today, Matthew chapter two, verses thirteen through eighteen. Just like Moses, and back in Exodus chapter one, Moses as a child, he, his life was threatened by a mad king. The Pharaoh ordered the death of the Hebrew male children. And then uh, he was miraculously saved through a family member, and he was safe in Egypt for a time. And then he spent 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness. And of course, Moses led the captives free from Egypt, while Jesus leads the captives free from slavery. It's the new exodus. We actually see this also in the, uh, the, the situation of the transfiguration on the mountain where Moses and Elijah come to visit Jesus to speak of him, of his new exodus that he was about to uh, undertake in the Passover, bringing us out of the slavery of sin and uh, dominion under the devil and the world and the flesh and bring us into holiness and grace into the life of the Trinity once again. So we see this beautiful parallel that uh, Matthew is trying to communicate to the people, to the Israelites whom this gospel was written to originally, to say Jesus is the promised one. He is the one spoken of in the Old Testament, and he is the one who's brought it all to fulfillment, and he is the Messiah. And it's time for us to, uh, to, uh, to come to the Messiah. And I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful passage, but it also reminds us of how sad it is that mad people would destroy innocent human lives, uh, these little babies. And I think it should bring us back to resolution to say we must defend life from conception to a natural death and we must prevent the slaughter of the innocents in our day and our time adrian uh, what say you yeah so i was uh I, like i said in the last hour i talked about how like normally i would like to look at what a day says about the passage but i was actually listening to uh, bishop athanasius snyder last night and his interview with LifeSite News, and he was talking a lot about the comparison between the holy innocents and the children that are aborted every single day. That there are mm. so many children that are just innocent children who are being murdered in our day. Like we, we look at horror at the at the amount of people that Herod killed being the holy innocents, but we don't even shed a tear for the innocents being killed in our midst every single day. Yeah. Um, and we now he also made the comparison between the holy innocence there and uh, the use of the vaccines, of uh, aborted fetal cells in the vaccines, which I, I think is another thing that's very important as well, because what is it that they're doing the holy innocence? He's executing these, in, in these holy innocents what, for what end? He's executing them to the end of which uh, his desire to destroy the Messiah in order to achieve his own uh, selfish goals. Whereas the same thing is here where we uh, abort our babies uh, at the altar of convenience. So I think that's uh, exactly what we see here. Uh, but we're running out of time, so we are actually going to go to break in about one minute. And uh, we are looking for a caller to call in for our game show. That's 877-757-9424. And our, we take the first caller. And uh, Joe, what are we going to give away today? 
<laughs> well, I think it's a better question for Emily. Emily's been such a great job of uh, recruiting sponsors and giving away gifts for our, our prize. I'm so excited. Who's our sponsor this week? So this week, our sponsor is called Our Ladies Armory, and Our Ladies Armory makes sturdy, handcrafted gear for battle-ready Catholic. So this Ooh. is this is going to be your men's Catholic items and devotional items. They make uh, these awesome paracord rosaries, handmade, as well as cufflinks and tie uh, clips. So lots of cool stuff. So if stuff. y'all want to win that, so call 877-757-9424. We take the first caller for your chance to win. All right, so we're going to go to break. We're going to come back with our game show. I have the questions right here in my hand, so I'm very excited about that. You don't even need to know the answers to these questions to win or possibly win the prize this week. It's a great rosary, so we're very excited about that. So all you got to do is call 877-757-9424. We'll take the very first caller to be our contestant. Three questions, three chances to win the prize. It's all coming up after the break. 877-757-9424. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Welcome back to Fear and Dribbling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are involved. You learn a little bit about your faith, and that is our, our secret hidden agenda, actually, that you learn just a little bit about your faith. You have fun doing it, 
and you might even win a cool prize. So it's a lot of fun. And we have three questions, three opportunities, and here's how it works. The caller does not even need to know the answers to these questions because I don't ask the caller. I ask Emily. I ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. One will have a wrong answer. And then the caller will have 15 seconds to decide who do they want to go with, Emily or Adrian? It's a 50-50 shot, and uh, if they get it right, well, then they go into the coffee cup of divine providence. Each question represents a chance at winning the prize for this week. And uh, Emily, who, again, is our sponsor? So this week, uh, our sponsor is called Our Ladies Armory. They make sturdy, handcrafted gear for the battle-ready Catholics. So they got they have great men's items. They have these really great paracord rosaries. They have they're themed. They have one for like every saint. Um, they also have items like tie clips and cufflinks. So if you're looking for a gift for dad or grandpa, this is it. Nice. Praise be to Jesus. In fact, I got to tell you, I, it's hard as a guy. To walk into like a Catholic bookshop or someplace like that and find a really good men's mm-hmm. rosary yep. because I have uh, destroyed many a good rosary in my pocket because it's not stood up to uh, to the test. So it is awesome to see a nice paracord rosary uh, uh, for guys. It needs to be rugged, and I particularly like cold beads, too. I'm looking for my rosaries in my pocket. But at, at any rate, all right, so that is how the game is played. That is the prize we're giving away this week. Let's go to the phones. Antonio are, is our contestant today. Antonio, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you? Praise God I'm alive. Where are you from, Antonio? I'm from Houston, sir. Excellent. Congratulations. Uh, rosary Thanks, preferences? Sir. Do you like a good paracord rosary? Oh, yes. Awesome. Praise be to Jesus. That'd be wonderful. And Christmas, did you go to a midnight mass by chance or did you go early morning? Uh, I did the uh, midnight mass. Uh, actually, I'm a Filipino, so we usually go uh, nine uh, dawn masses before the uh, midnight mass. But uh, I was not able to do that this year, so I hope that this coming year, 2021, I'll do it again. Amen. Praise God. All right, Antonio, are you ready to play? Do you understand the rules? Yes, sir, I do. All right, here we go. We're going to start with you, Emily. First question. This one ought to be uh, very easy, I would say. Here we go. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. What term refers to the penalty by which a baptized person is excluded from membership in the church and therefore ineligible to receive the sacraments. Uh, okay, so we actually, this was in the headlines today, so I actually know <laughs> this one. Um, there was that priest who is excommunicated, so I'm gonna, um, that's my answer. I'm going to go with excommunicated. Emily is on the board with excommunication. Adrian, let's go with you. What term refers to the penalty by which a baptized person is excluded from membership in the church and therefore is ineligible to receive the sacraments? Uh, Well, the people who are called, who deny the Pope, are called set of a contest. So I'm going to say set of a contism. You're going to say set of a contism. That's what I'm going to go with. All right. Emily is on the board with excommunicated, and Adrian is on the board with set of a contism. Antonio, who's right? Who's wrong? You have 15 seconds to decide. What say you, Antonio? Uh, the right answer would be excommunicated. Survey says... 
Congratulations, yes. Antonio. <laughs> that was a fairly easy one, I would say. I mean, Adrian was very obvious on that one. Uh, but you're already in the coffee cup of divine providence, Antonio. You already have a chance to win this week's prize, the rosary. And Emily, one more time, who is our sponsor? That is Our Lady's Armory, giving away a paracord rosary. Praise be to Jesus. Antonio, congratulations on that. You get two more chances at this. Are you ready to go? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Adrian, we'll start with you. Oh, now, this one could be slightly more tricky, but slightly I still think it's tricky. fairly easy. Okay. Here we go. Adrian Fonseca. On what day does the stripping of the altars occur? Hmm. The stripping of the altars. Okay. That happens sometime around Lent. Um, it's not Good Friday. I'm going to go with Holy Thursday. Holy, Holy Thursday. Thursday. All right. Emily, let's try you. Emily, on what day does the stripping of the altars occur? Uh, honestly, I really don't. I would say, so the tabernacle's empty on Good Friday, right? So maybe the, the, the altar would also be empty? I'm going to go with Good Friday. Emily, you're on the board for Good Friday. Uh, is that your final answer? Final answer. All right. So Good Friday for Emily, and Adrian is on the board for Holy Thursday. Antonio, 15 seconds to decide who's right, who's wrong. Antonio, what say you? I believe it's uh, Good Friday. Uh, you're so you're going with Adrian or Emily? Yes, Emily. You're going with Emily. Survey Friday? says. Oh. oh, I'm so sorry. Now uh, let's give let's give Antonio a chance to clarify. Adrian was for Holy Thursday. Emily was for Good Friday. Antonio, was your answer for Friday or Thursday? Thursday. <laughs> then you got it right. Thursday. Just kidding. Just kidding. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Holy Thursday is, in fact, the You're, correct answer. So you got it right. Praise your name God. is going in again. Thank you. Amen. You two, that's now two chances in the coffee cup of divine providence for the rosary. So praise God for that. Now, this last one, this last one could be tricky. This is probably the trickiest one of all three. So stand by. Get ready. Emily, we're coming back to you. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Name the sacraments of the living. What? <laughs> Name the sacraments of the living. Uh, all of them except for anointing of the sick. I'm going to go with, so um, usually people get baptized right when they're born in the Roman Catholic Church, in, in the Catholic churches. So uh, I'm going to go with baptism. <laughs> Baptism. Yes. That's your answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Adrian, name the sacraments of the living. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, I see, I, I don't think it's baptism, actually. And I also don't think it's uh, reconciliation or penance or confession, however you call it. And uh, I'm going to go with Holy Eucharist, Confirmation, Holy Matrimony, Orders, and Extreme Unction. That's my Is that go. your final answer? That's my answer. Wow. That was a quite a list. Casual, casual. So Emily's on the board for baptism, and Adrian is on the board for Holy Eucharist, Confirmation, Matrimony, Holy Orders, Extreme Unction. 15 seconds on the clock, Antonio. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? Adrian is right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? And it, I, I noticed some hesitancy on your part, Antonio. You seem very not sure about this. <laughs> 
survey says. <laughs> Yay! Three for three. <laughs> three for three. Well In done. Fact, those. Are, it would seem counterintuitive there. You would think baptism would be right, but no, it is in fact Holy Eucharist, confirmation, matrimony, holy orders, and extreme unction are the sacraments of the living. Antonio, your perfect score. Well done, sir. Thank you so much for everybody. Now stay on the line. Don't go anywhere because we're going to have to get your information. We're going to put you into the coffee cup of divine providence for three chances to win. And I think on Thursday we'll draw out a winner because our uh, January 1st show is going to be pre-recorded this week. So congratulations, Antonio, and thanks for being a part of the program. Thank you. All right. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come back with more breaking news and headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Plus, we're going to speak with Stacey Trasankos about her article in the National Catholic Register about how aborted children are used in scientific research. It's not going to be the funnest conversation, but it is going to be a necessary one, especially on the, the feast day of the Holy Innocent. So stick around. More to come. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be back right after this. Atheists claim theists are essentially no different than atheists because we reject gods too, such as Greek and Roman gods. But this is plain absurdity. What's our reason? First, it's an abuse of language. A theist believes in at least one god. An atheist doesn't believe in any god. They're mutually exclusive terms. To say a theist is an atheist to most gods is like saying a married man is a bachelor to most women. Second, it's bad reasoning. To say I'm an atheist because I reject some gods is like saying I'm an anarchist, one who rejects all forms of government because I reject communism and fascism, some forms of government. But that's silly. So the claim that atheists and theists are no different doesn't hold water. I'm Carlo Brusord with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Monday morning headlines. Companies are now developing apps for people to upload their vaccine passports. One of these groups, the nonprofit Common Trust Network, has already partnered with several airlines and hundreds of health systems across the United States. Their app, called Common Pass, allows users to upload relevant medical information, such as proof of vaccination, that can generate a health certificate or a pass in the form of a QR code that can then be shown to the authorities. The large tech company IBM has also developed its own app, the Digital Health Pass, 
which permits companies and venues to customize indicators they would be mandatory for entry, such as coronavirus tests, temperature checks, and vaccination records. These apps could soon be used in America to allow or deny access to flights based on a person's digital health record. The Massachusetts governor has vetoed an extreme pro-abortion bill. Governor Charlie Baker, a pro-choice Republican, shot down the bill, which would have legalized abortions up until birth and lowered the age for girls to get abortions without a parent's knowledge to 16. Governor Baker stated that although he supports abortion, he cannot support the sections of the proposal that expand the availability of late-term abortions and permit minors to get an abortion without parental consent. The legislator has already announced an effort to override this veto early in 2021. This would require a two-thirds majority in both the state house and the Senate. An Argentine priest has been suspended after punching a bishop who closed a seminary. On the day of the attack, Bishop Eduardo Maria Tausig made a pastoral visit to explain the controversial closing of the seminary in July of 2020, which has sparked a string of protests from local Catholics. A group of protesters, including priests and laypeople, interrupted the mass celebrated by Bishop Tausig, and one protester even slashed the tires of the bishop's vehicle, forcing him to wait for another vehicle while confronting the protesters. It was then that Father Camilo Dib physically attacked the bishop three times. The Diocese of San Rafael said in a statement that Father Dib has been suspended from all his priestly duties. Pope Francis is marking the fifth anniversary of Amoris Laetitia with a year dedicated to the family. In his Angelus address on December 27th, the Feast of the Holy Family, the Holy Father said, quote, This will be a year of reflection on Amoris Laetitia, and it will be an opportunity to focus more closely on the contents of the document. These reflections will be made available to ecclesial communities and families to accompany them on their journey. The Pope then invited everyone to take part in the initiatives that will be promoted during the year. They will be coordinated by the Dicastery for Laity, Family, and Life. This comes also after Pope Francis announced this would be the year of St. Joseph. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines for us on Catholic Drive Time. We're so grateful to have you back in the studio. Uh, now, before we jump on our call, our conversation uh, here in just one moment, I want to remind you that if you're looking for the podcast version of Catholic Drive Time, you can go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You'll find all the podcasts there. Uh, but don't forget, if you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash online. You'll not only be able to watch live there, you can also, we post individual hours there after the show. We, we take the, the footage and we put it back up as individual hours. And Adrian, our producer, has been great about taking the individual uh, conversations we have with our guests and posting those as all as videos by themselves. So be sure to like, subscribe, hit the bell notification, all of that. But we're also on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and on Instagram as well. And I've been posting over on Parlor. You can find me over on Parlor to search for Joe McLean or at Catholic Hack. So lots of ways to stay plugged in, of course, all across the Guadalupe Radio Network. And on January the 4th, I'm very happy to announce that Stations of the Cross will begin to carry us in the first hour. And there are other radio networks that might be coming on board as well. So lots of good things 
coming for Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful. But joining us by phone right now is Stacy Tresankos. She is the executive director of Bishop Strickland's St. Philip Institute in Tyler, Texas. She has a doctorate in chemistry, a master's in dogmatic theology, and seven children. She worked as a chemist for DuPont before converting to Catholicism and radically restructuring her life. She left her career to stay home with her kids, from there becoming a writer, speaker, and educator. And joining us by phone right now is Stacy Trasenkos. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good morning to you, too. Praise be to Jesus. Thanks for being on with us today. Uh, real quick, before we dive into the more difficult parts of our conversation, uh, midnight mass, early morning mass, what was your preference? Um, we have children, a lot of children, so we did several <laughs> to accommodate <laughs> all of their schedules. Um, midnight mass, yes. Vigil mass, yes. And then by the next morning, we were um, getting on a plane with all of our negative COVID-19 tests and all the... <laughs> Um, face mask and sanitizer and <laughs> heading north to see my oldest daughter and my oldest son. So big families keep you busy. Yeah, here's wow. the real Wonder Woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's pretty brave. To, I we have six kids. Plane. We know what it's like. <laughs> Well, praise be to Jesus. Um, conversation is not going to be the easiest one, and but it's one I think is very necessary, especially on the feast day of the Holy Innocence, that we should be reminded of the dignity of the human life. But we see two articles in the National Catholic Register with, with Stacy that we wanted to chat about, how aborted children are used in medical research in 2020. And then the other one was how to object to an abortion-tainted COVID-19 vaccine. We're going to link to both of these stories on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Let's start with the medical research one. Now, Stacy, we all remember the videos that came out with David Daleiden and how he recorded, documented the selling of human children whole to pharmaceutical research and other research and it seems like we've, we've we've given that a pass somewhat in our society. What say you? What did you find, and what was your article about? Well, um, I have so much gratitude and respect for what David Daleiden did, and you know, it, it took a lot of courage and planning to pull that off and get the attention of the whole country. But I remember thinking at the time that. Um, that I, I hoped people would continue to pay attention because, you know, it was it was very sensational. I read scientific literature like some women read fashion magazines. Like I've just <laughs> always been interested in following the science because if you read the scientific literature daily, you really um, get a sense of following the research that's going on in different fields. Well, one field that I have always followed is how aborted children and embryos, which are also aborted children, how they're used in research. Because, you know, I'm really good at spotting how they hide it with technical language, um, how they're just not, they're not really upfront about it, but at the same time, they have to report what they do because that's what, that's what you're supposed to do in a scientific paper. So I remember thinking when David Daleiden had all of those undercover videos and then he faced all of that legal stuff, um, you don't need to go to those extremes to know that what he's saying is true. You just need to look at the scientific papers because the scientists describe it in their own words. I mean, so to speak, in their own handwriting, they're admitting that they are literally putting 
the aborted children on the lab bench and dissecting them, butchering them um, to get the organs that they want to do the research they want to do. This is this is a booming field in biomedical research because those human those little human bodies, from a scientist's perspective, who thinks it's ethical if you're going to abort them, you may as well put them to good use. It's an unlimited supply of human organs to experiment on and learn more about human development and finding cures. And so this field of research is growing. Now, do you happen to know if there's any sort of consent that needs to be made before these aborted children are used? It varies. So they have something called an institutional review board. And what that amounts to at a university is a group of university-appointed ethicists agreeing that what they're doing is ethical. So there's really no outside um, approval process. So if they all agree that it's okay to, to use these babies with or without the mother's consent and do whatever they decide is ethical to do, they don't really have any, any higher supervision than that. So in some of the papers, it says the mothers were recruited Mm-hmm. So they went out and sought the women who were having abortions and and wanted babies that were going to live to a certain point so they would be exposed to certain things in the environment enough months. They um, sometimes don't mention consent at all, um, and they, they sometimes just say the mother had consented, but they don't really say what the mother consented to. Um, Abby Johnson, um, I, I know her, and, and she and I have exchanged a little bit about this. She, she says that, yeah, even even when she was working in these clinics, that um, they would just tell the moms, do you sign the form for your child to be used in scientific research? Some good can come from this. So there's all, the, who knows really exactly what the conversations are at the moment of abortion, but I can totally... The ones that say they recruited women, um, I I wouldn't be surprised at all to learn, and I'm speculating, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to learn that they, if they didn't encourage women to wait another month or wait a few more weeks because they needed a test cohort that was 18 weeks and beyond or, you know, because they, some of the experiments depended on the fetuses being a certain age to have been exposed to certain environmental factors long enough for them to then take apart the organs and analyze them. Now, before we get into your article, Dr. Stacy, I just want to give a disclaimer to the listeners. This is going to be a little graphic. Um, your mm-hmm. first example in the article, uh, Dr. Stacy, is the, the fetal scalps that were grafted onto rats and mice. Can you go into what was this, this experiment about? What was its purpose and how were aborted children used in it? Yeah, and it it is always hard for me to talk about. It was, I mean, my husband can tell you when I when I found this particular article, um, I just all the vaccine stuff was going on about fetal cells, and I, I just remember telling him like pe- people have to know it's not just fetal cells, and this one in particular because the scientists describe in very aseptic language they describe how they um, they wanted to get full thickness human skin mm. grafts. They wanted to show that they could cut down all the way to the subcutaneous fat and get the full thickness of the human skin and show that they could graft it onto mice and rats, rodents. And then at the same time, they 
were going to use, they called it a human skin and immune system humanized mouse and rat model. So from the same baby, they they literally scalped the baby. They, they cut the a section of the scalp off where there's hair growing and down all the way to the fat, the whole thickness of the skin. And then on the baby mouse's back, they mm. cut skin away on the, over the rib cage and they grafted the human skin there. But at the same time, after that, they took the mouse and they took some organs from out of the same baby that the scalp came from. And they put these organs, they, they transplanted them into the mouse because what they wanted to do then was take this humanized mouse and give it a staph infection on the skin and they wanted to see how the same organs internally would respond. So the, the, the aborted child is dead. They can't do a, an experiment like that. But if, mm. they, if they have a fresh enough sample, a fresh enough baby that, that has just been killed, they can take the organs, transplant them into the mouse, scalp the baby, put the scalp onto the mouse, and let the mouse grow um, for, for a month or so. Dr. Stacy, I need you to hold that thought skin. right there. Okay. wish it was a better thought to uh, hold on to. It's a very graphic one, and I think it illustrates the tragedy of the situation. But we're talking to Dr. Stacey Trusinkos. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, continue our conversation. It's difficult, but it's necessary, especially on the Feast of the Holy Innocence. The dignity of human life. Do you remember that is the nature writing your of our Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Speed to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is uh, good to be on with you. We're having a, a difficult conversation, admittedly so, with uh, Dr. Stacy Trasenkos. She's got two articles that we we called uh, to to discuss with her today. One is on scientific research on aborted children, and then there's another one that we've posted links to, and that's how to object to abortion tainted COVID nineteen vaccines. We've linked to both of these articles 
over on facebook.com forward slash GRN online. I highly encourage you to read them. Uh, as difficult as especially the one on research is, and I think it should shock us to some degree to go, what have we allowed to happen? And, uh, and we, we have to realize that this is big money in this pharmaceutical and scientific research realm. And, uh, and it should shock us to realize that we are, we're playing here with the dignity of the human person. Now, Dr. Stacy, welcome back to our show. Thanks for being on with us. Let me ask you a question. Um, what would you say to someone who would say, but golly gee whiz, isn't the research going to help benefit the rest of mankind? Isn't this good and therefore tolerable? This is the question that's going to be before us more than ever now that um, the church has affirmed, this is nothing new, the church has affirmed that we may benefit from these vaccines that were that were tested and produced and developed using a fetal cell line. So, you know, in isolation, that was one child decades ago um, that was used in a similar manner, you know, that was taken apart, dissected, cells were taken out of the kidney, and the, the cell line was immortalized or reproduced indefinitely. Um, but it's really, I encourage people to try, I, I'm not arguing this from a Catholic perspective, I'm arguing it like St. Thomas Aquinas does from our opponent's perspective. If you're the government, so the, this, this scalp, this fetal scalp research I was talking about was funded by the National Institutes of Health. It was founded, funded by Dr. Fauci's branch of that institute. So the government funds this stuff. If you're looking at it from their perspective, they are doing this research to find cures and knowledge about human development. And we have already said as Catholics with this vaccine that we don't find it immoral to benefit from the research from things like this. So if you're the scientist or you're the ethical review board or if you're the government agency funding it or the private agency funding it, you aren't going to listen to Catholics when they say we object to you doing this because you already know that whatever life-saving cures or whatever knowledge you find, Catholics are allowed to say, well, we are not cooperating in this evil by benefiting from this research. It was very remote. We didn't make the choice. It's not our fault this research was done. And in isolation, like with the vaccines, that is true. But I'm encouraging people right now because I know about this research and I can find articles like this every day that I sit down in front of my computer. It is, go it is happening more and more and more because biotechnology has advance so much if you're the other side and you know catholics really don't have any leg to stand on when they object you're you're not even going to take them seriously when they say don't do this mm. because you already know they're going to they're going to be allowed to benefit from the work and and that that is the situation we're in and i think you know what happened with these vaccines because there wasn't enough protest and they the companies weren't forced to find ethical sources for us We've really lost a lot of ground in this game now because abortion's not just about a woman's choice anymore. It's about feeding a research machine that's only going to grow. We're talking with uh, Dr. Stacy Trasinkos about her two articles. Again, we've posted links to them both. Um, I want to transition a bit here in the time we have left to the issue over the vaccine since it seems like there's a great overlap here. And there's been a lot of uh, debate, conversation back and forth. We've seen how the Pfizer and Moderna, and we've seen their their use of aborted fetal DNA and tissues as either a part of the development or part of uh, of uh, testing 
to release this new vaccine. Um, there's the issue over the vaccine itself being a new technology and not knowing what's going to happen. We've seen people have very adverse reactions to this, even on live video. Um, and the, but there's the issue over the over the aborted fetal DNA and tissues being used. Now, there's been a debate among Catholics, and uh, some have said, "Well, the it's so remote." I mean, we saw a Vatican statement. We've seen bishops come out to say mm-hmm. it's okay to use this. It's morally just fine. It's so remote in this cir- circumstance. It the the cell lines were so far back it, it's really it's not an issue um how do you address that dr trasinkos well things were happening very very fast and um there was something that got communicated from the science to the bishops that that is it, it's one thing that troubles me a lot because it was speculation this this word called confirmatory testing that came from the charlotte Lozier institute some of the theologians then were led to conclude that the connection to the fetal cell line is very, 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 very remote, super remote, because it's just used in testing. But what the scientific papers were saying was they were using this human embryonic kidney cell line to test the vaccine, the mRNA vaccine. So they put the vaccine in the cells to see if the mRNA will make the spike protein like it's supposed to. So it's just that they put it in the cells to see if it'll work. They're not growing it in the cells, um, but they're testing it in the cells. But the thing you do is when you go to production, it's called quality control testing. You can't even bottle water without a quality control testing protocol. And what we don't know yet is if they're going to do the same test they did in the lab in, te- in, in production. So while the vaccine's being produced, they stop every so often, take a sample, put it in the cells, make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do. That, that's how you know that you're making the right thing. And there are very high quality standards on something like this. So to say that it was done in one confirmatory test, one-time thing, is not accurate. I don't know for sure they're going to do the testing in an ongoing way in production, but if they are going to be doing the testing in an ongoing way, in an ongoing way, then there will be an ongoing dependence on the fetal cell line to produce even the mRNA vaccines, which means they're no different ethically than the vaccines that are grown in the fetal cell lines. Either way, you depend on a, a continued supply uh, going forward. So, um, I, <clears throat> what I hope happens you know these vaccines are going to they're already here there's not much we can do about it and it's true if you need that vaccine because you're in a difficult situation and your health is at risk or people you love their health is at risk or you even have to get it because you got to keep your job whatever you discern is your need the church has definitely and this is nothing new again this is the same with childhood vaccines it is morally permissible to receive that vaccine. I am just, and you know, my bishop also, Bishop Strickland is the same, encouraging people not to forget about the rest of the story. Mm. That we still, whether you take the vaccine or not, whether even if you never even take the vaccine, we still have an obligation to fight this issue in our culture because these these children, it, it's just not right. We, we can't have science advancing by doing things like this. It, it's not gonna end well. <laughs> And um, so I, I'm just I'm just trying to get the rest of the story out there. Like we we have to we do make our own decisions about these vaccines, but in a way, even though we're not cooperating in evil, or we're very remotely cooperating in evil, 
in our culture when we accept these vaccines, we are sending the message to the research institutions that we we will not find it morally problematic to benefit from the research that comes from using these aborted children. And I don't know how we get around that now. I don't know how we make an argument that they're going to listen to, but we have to do something. Now, Dr. Trasankos, we have about four minutes left in the interview. Um, you wrote another article, How to Object to an Abortion-Tainted COVID-19 Vaccine. Mm-hmm. So can you share, for those of us who have um, a conscience formed so that we wouldn't feel comfortable receiving this vaccine, how can we object? How can we keep from having to, to be forced to receive it? Three minutes to go. Okay. Um, the, the, going back to the 2005 um, re- moral reflections from the Pontifical Academy for Life, one of the things they did affirm is that we should abstain from the vaccine if we can. And we should not receive the vaccines that depend on fetal cell lines unless we have no alternative. So the first thing to do is, you know, make sure you really need it before you accept it. Because the more people who say, no, I'm not taking that until you do better, the more our voice will matter in the market. But if you do need it, even then, understand that your acceptance of this vaccine is supposed to be temporary. We're supposed to keep protesting these practices until they make a change and not you know, not being able to have much of a moral voice now, we can speak with our purchasing power. So the more that we keep demanding and saying, we're, we're, you know, we're, if you would just do this ethically, Moderna and Pfizer and AstraZeneca, we would be all in. You would make it so that so many more Catholics would, and Christians would be comfortable receiving this vaccine. So there are ways to object, like co- contacting these companies directly, emailing them. Um, it does matter at some point. Um, contacting representatives and senators, um, supporting the institutes. There are Catholic institutes that are doing ethical research, support those. Um, and there are even ways you can go higher and get into meetings at the FDA and the CDC and let them know this is serious, guys. We're not just going to shrug and go away and accept this. We still want you to do better, and we're not going to stop talking about it and pressuring you until you agree to. And at some point, it's a consumer demand issue, and and we can get their attention that way. It's worked before with the childhood vaccines. All right. We're out of time. Dr. Stacy Tresankos, thank you for being on with us and discussing these very difficult topics today. Thank you very much. All right. God bless you. In fact, we will have uh, Bishop Strickland on the program. I think it's going to be on Wednesday, Wednesday. the 30th mm-hmm. in, the, in the second hour. We'll be discussing the moral position of these vaccines uh, from the bishop's perspective. So be sure to tune in for that tomorrow. Timothy Flanders will be on in the first hour, plus more great Catholic drive time coming up uh, whole, this whole week. We're very excited about it. So don't go anywhere. More Catholic drive time is on the way this week. And Emily, Adrian, thanks for being on again today, and Merry Christmas to both of you. Merry Christmas, Joe. Merry Christmas. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Don't forget to check us out at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and check out the car raffle while you're there. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 7 Eastern, right here, Catholic drive time. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with 
everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.